All right, John 7, 32. Do I have a volunteer that'd like to read for us? Oh, Brian's got his hands up. Great. Okay, Brian. Well, what are you raising your hand for if you don't have your Bible in Sunday school? All right. Hands were elevated. That is a raised hand. John 7, 32. Yuri, are you wanting to read for us? No? Okay. I'm ready. All right, James, go ahead. 32 through 36. All right. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I, where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go? that we will not find him. Does he intend to go into the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will see me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. All right, as we closed last week, what is it that we were kind of talking about? What were the people mumbling amongst themselves that got some individuals irritated? A little louder, Nancy. Could this have been the Christ? All right. And we asked the question, where is he from? Now, why does it matter where is he from? What did we just read? What did James just read for us that's helpful if we know where he's from? What's helpful if we know where he's from? Okay, what did he... No. Look at 32 through 36. Last week we spent some time talking about where he was from. Yeah, where he's going. He says, I'm going back where I came from. Uh huh. So, knowing where he is from helps us know where he is going. So, verse 32. What is it that we open up with? What's the first thing that this section of scripture is talking about for us? The Pharisees hear the crowd muttering. All right, the Pharisees hear the crowd muttering. Anyone ever mutter before? Mutter? Mutter. What is it? Anybody ever mutter? Yeah. You like to, to say something in your breath? Yeah, it's mutter. Mumble. Yeah, but it's, it's the idea of complaining in the mumbling. Yeah. So you could say something that would be positive that would be a mumble, but the idea of a mutter, okay, is that she's married to your father. Three of you will get that, all right? Wait, say it again. I said the idea of a mutter is that she's married to your father. Oh, I get it. Jeremy. Mother and father? Yeah. Mother, father. <laughs> that jokes aren't supposed to work that way. So maybe Blake will tell you later. Alright. So the chief priests, or excuse me, the scribes, they hear the crowd muttering. And the crowd is saying these things under their breath. And what's the overarching question that these people are asking themselves? I heard it. Say it louder. Could this be the Messiah? So that's the question. 
Now, they hear those things, so what is their reaction? They hear the crowd muttering these things, could this be the Messiah? What is their reaction to that? They send people, they send officers to arrest him. Okay, so do they like what Jesus is doing? No. The people are questioning whether or not this is the Messiah, and the religious leaders are doing their very best to squelch this. So then Jesus opens up in verse 33. What does Jesus say? I will be with you a little longer. Alright, I'm going to be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. Now, where do we know who the he who sent him is? Like, how do we find out who that is? Yes, previous verses. Great, let's find those previous verses. Is there anything in John 7 that we could look at for the answer of... I'm going back to him who sent me. guys know the answer who sent Jesus what I want you to do is find that answer in John 7 oh is it before or after this well it's going to be before because we just got the answer the answer comes after the question okay so let's go back and see can we find anything that would say where Jesus is from Okay, verse. Okay, Jeremy, read verse seventeen for us. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether the speaking is from Okay. Now, how does that tell us where he is from? That tells us specifically that his content of his teaching is from God. How does that tell us that he is from God? Rewind just a little bit. Yeah, Abby found it in 16. Abby, read 16. My teaching is not mine, but it's him who sent me. Now, what is his teaching? That's what Jeremy pointed out to us. His teaching is that those who know God's will are going to know that he's speaking from God. All right. So how do we know Jesus is sent from God? Because what he is teaching is from God. Those who worship God will know that it's God's teaching, and he is the one who has sent him. All right, so we now he's now know, back to verse 33, we now know where he is going, back to him who sent him. Verse 34. Someone else read that for us. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. All right, you will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. So where will he be that they will be looking for him? His home. Okay, his home. He will be back with God the Father. Does that mean he went to heaven? 
Yeah, he, he's referring to his ascension, going back to the Father. So we ask this question then. They're going to be looking for him. The question is why? Yeah, this is so in context, this is to the people that want him arrested. You'll be looking for me and you're not going to find me. Now, why is it that you can't find me there? We're back at verse 34 now. So why is it that they will not be able to find him? Did he go back to heaven come back Okay, yes. So verse 33 is a reference to the fact that he will be on the earth for a little while longer, then he will return to the Father. That's verse 33. Then we move to verse 34, where Jesus says, you're going to be looking for me, and you're not going to be able to find me, because where I am, you can't go. So I want to know, why is it that these people are looking for Jesus but can't find him, and they're not allowed to go there? What? It's not Samaria, Jeremy. We've already identified his location is in heaven. He's going back to be with God the Father who sent him. So Jesus is with God the Father. And now Jesus is pointing out to a crowd of people that want him dead and gone, at least arrested. I'm only here for a little bit, and then I'm going back where I came from. And when I get there, you're going to be looking for me, but you're not going to be able to find me. And to make it even worse for you, you can't even go there. All right, Blake, what do you mean? Is it because of what they believe? Okay, they don't believe that he is who he says he is, so they're not going to be granted entrance to his home. All right, anything else? Does that make sense to you guys? Okay. So... Do they understand that? Do they understand that Jesus is talking about ascending back to the Father's side and that these people are not going to be allowed to go there? Do they understand what he just said? No. How do we know that? In case you guys haven't figured out, since we've been working through John, I basically ask you a question that if you read the next couple phrases, it answers for you. Thirty-five. What does thirty-five say? Because Jesus said, "Don't worry about it." Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Jews and teach the Greeks? All right. Do they understand what he just said? No. Class. No. No. Someone other than this front row. Where do they think he's talking about going? Where do they think Jesus is saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hide here. I got the best hiding spot in the world. You'll never find me there. Where do they think he's talking about? Look at verse 35. If you don't have a physical Bible with you, pull it up on your phone rather than looking at social media. Dispersion among the Greeks. What is the dispersion? Okay, what is this particular spreading out among the Greeks? Anybody? The diaspora. 
It's it's very smart. Is it right? Yeah, but all you said was a different word for dispersion. All right, what is this dispersion? Notice, at least in the ESV, dispersion here is uppercase. Sam, does your Bible have a study note there? Um, for, for what verse? In 35, with the word dispersion. Um, it does. What's you it say? understand Jesus' statement in 34. <coughs> the dispersion was a common Jewish expression for the Jewish people scattered throughout the world. Mm -hmm. All right, so we got Jewish people scattered throughout <coughs> the world. They didn't all stay at home. Some of them left. And, oh, I know, Jesus is going to leave the Jewish territories and he's going to go start teaching the Greeks. That's what he means by we're not going to be able to find him. Is that it? Well, then we get to verse 36. What does he mean by saying, you're going to look for me but not be able to find me? And where I'm going, you can't go. And what does Jesus say in response to them? Look down at your Bible. I just read verse 36 for you. Right. Now tell me, what does Jesus say in response when they ask the question, what does he mean he's gone when we can't find him? What does Jesus say back to them? No, no Nancy, you're reading verse 37. You will seek me and you will not find me. What is Jesus' response to these people who want to know what do you mean by this? Verse 37 takes us to the a next passage, the next portion of the feast that this conversation, this passage is revolving around. So they ask this question. They quote him in verse 36. Well, Jesus, what do you mean that you're going where we can't find you and that we can't go there? And what's Jesus' answer to them? Robert, you got your Bible? Ooh, terrible. I know, but I don't know if terrible. Wow. Wow. I'll give you another one. Okay. All right. Verse 36. They ask a question, and Jesus' answer is what? question is in verse 36. What does he mean by saying this? And Jesus responds, how? He doesn't. He doesn't. Ah, I got it. Finally. Blake, why don't you sit over there and mind your business? They ask a question. What do you mean by this? And he's like, oh, the disc skipped. Like, what in the world? Okay, now, whether or not Jesus truly responded to them, we don't have record of. But here's what John wants you to know. They asked this question, and whatever happened next wasn't important because it didn't involve those people. So his immediate transition is, then on the last day of the feast, something else happens. Okay, do you guys like being ignored? 
No, like you're trying to talk to someone, Abby, and they just ignore you. Wow. Can she leave me on her? <laughs> yeah. Do you enjoy that? Sometimes. Like in person? Like no one, no one enjoys a conversation where suddenly you stop listening. Unless, of course, you're a youth pastor teaching a high school Sunday school. Then you do it week after week. See what I did there? All right. But, students, John intentionally doesn't give you their response, the response of Jesus. Most likely because it didn't end well for these religious leaders that are like, what do you mean we can't go there? Well, they're headed to a very different place than Christ. So then, on the last day of the feast, someone read verses 37 through 39 for me. Sam, why don't you read us? John 7, 37 through 39. <clears throat> On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now... This he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, so on the last day of the feast, now help me out. Oh, bummer, it's erased off the board. How long does this feast last? Seven days. Good job, seven days. What feast are we celebrating again? Tabernacles. Tabernacles, which is known by what other name? Booze. Booze. All right. Oh, there was another name for it. What was the other name we had? Uh, no, Shabbat is uh, Sabbath. You're wrong. No, what was the other name? Someone had another name for it. Tabernacles, booze, and I think it was, uh, oh, it might have been Addison with the NIV and calling it the Feast of Tents. That's probably what it was. All right. So, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booze. Everyone went and camped out for a while. All right. Now, Let's, let's think about a couple things here, guys. Jesus stands up to the crowd and he cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, pause with me for just a second. In the context of a Jewish society, remembering their time in the wilderness, that they would be living in a tent for a period of time, and they're commemorating that. And Jesus stands up and he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In the context of Jewish history, can you think of another time where maybe the Jews would be recalling something like that? Where the people were thirsty and they went to someone for a drink? Moses in the rock. Wait, what, Naomi? Moses. With the bitter water. Moses and the rock. Which one? <laughs> the second one. Both of them. And, and Both the, of them. And, and the one with the bitter water, too. And bitter water. <laughs> yeah, just left the... Uh, what is bitter water? Why do you laugh? Like, a you. You. Probably a high acidity rate or something like that. All right. Excellent job, Jeremy. Okay. Jeremy pointed out to us there are at least three references to the Jewish wanderings and water. 
One of them is when they first leave, they're, it's like almost like the first time they need to fill up their, their water bags. They're like, you brought us to bitter water to die. Okay? And Moses throws a bush in the water, and it becomes potable. All right? Now, there are two other times that Moses specifically interacts with the people and water. And they both involve another entity. What was that other entity, Jeremy? There was Moses, the people, and then the water, but there's one other thing we're missing. Okay, the stick. What's the other one? God. What's the other one? Well, water. Where does the water come from, Jeremy? There you go, the rock. But there's also food, too. Okay. Now, real quick, real quick reminder on Israelite history. The first time they come to the rock and they need water, what does God tell Moses to do? Speak to it. Speak to it. Excellent. And what happens to the rock? He strikes it. No. Right? Not the first time. First time, he says, Moses, strike the rock, and water comes out. The second time they come to this same type story, God tells Moses to do what to get water from the rock? Speak to it. Speak to it. He was so mad. But he is so angry. What's he do? Boom. He hits the rock. Now, guys, stay with me now. What happens to Moses because of that? He dies. Yeah, Tyler's right. He loses the ability to go into the promised land on that instance. Now, let's get full picture. I'm a Jew, first century. I can remember reading in the Torah about the wanderings in the water and, you know, the rock, all that. Jesus stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because why? Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, we're going to talk about that quote in just a second. But Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right. I need a volunteer to read, someone who has it. Yet this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I need the first five verses read. Just five verses. All right, Robert, go for it. Now I call myself beseech you by the weakness and gentleness of Christ. Are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Uh, no. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. I offer our fathers under the clouds and all past the sea. Alright, pause right there. Listen carefully to the next couple words that he says. And all were baptized in the Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Alright. We'll pause there. Robert, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, who is the rock in the wilderness that they drank from? Christ. Christ. Now, think about this for just a moment. The first time, we can go back to John 7 now. The first time Israel gets water from a rock, Moses strikes the rock and provides water. The second time, God tells him to speak to the rock, and Moses 
in his anger and in his sin, he strikes the rock. Okay, don't miss that picture of redemption in the Old Testament, by the way. That in order to provide life for the people, that the rock had to be hit. Okay, and oh, by the way, the rock is Jesus. But now you have Jesus standing up in this feast where they're remembering the wonderings. No doubt the Jews over those seven days are like, oh, y'all remember when this happened and when this happened and when this happened. And they rehearsed to themselves the books of Exodus and Numbers that we know of. Like, that's what we call them. They rehearsed to themselves that time. And Jesus stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink from me. Why? Because the scripture has said that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And what question do I have to ask you now? What question do I have to ask you? When Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What question do I have to ask you? Okay. Well, before we discuss what living water is, what scripture? Let's find it. Find it for me. No, it is not Blake's job to study the Bible for you. The purpose of this class is for you to learn to study the Bible for yourself. Reading and asking questions. Reading and asking questions. Let's go. Well, if it wasn't in your Bible with a footnote already, then this is where I would use Google. Blue Letter Bible is a great resource. <laughs> Students, you should be able to read a passage of Scripture, ask it questions, and if the passage doesn't answer the questions, be able to find answers to your questions. Mm -hmm. All right, what does Psalm 89 say? We don't know. We're going there. Tyler says to go to Psalm 89, guys. Tyler says to go to Psalm 89. Tyler, did you have a verse in Psalm 89, or did we read the whole thing? Because there are 52 verses, so we may have to pick up next week if that's the case. 89, 3, and 4. All right, Tyler, go ahead and read those verses since you found them. You have said, I have made a covenant with my children when I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. In a verse, well, we're looking for that living water aspect. I thought you said scripture, not the living water thing. Scripture, there was on the verse 38, there was scripture. There was a footnote would be that they go to verse 42 in the same reference to scripture uh, for David and there's a footnote for and that's in Psalm 89, 3 and 4. Alright, well that doesn't tell us because we're looking for, because notice if you've got an ESV, other translations probably do as well, the, the words out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is a quotation from your Old Testament. You have one week to find it. Let's see who comes back with it. I win. 